Hi, this is Angie Meadows, and this is The Rock and Recovery, and today we're going to do the Daniel study. We're learning lessons from Daniel, like how to stand alone, how to make a respectful appeal, how to respect our authorities, and these things that Daniel did that gave him great blessings because he understood his identity in God. He knew that you could change his name, you could call him anything you wanted, but you could not change his heart. And he was able to stand alone and not defile himself. So in the second lesson, it's the second chapter of Daniel. It's called Nebuchadnezzar's Dream of World Empires. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, Daniel 2, 28. So that is the verse that I want you to focus on, because God not only gave Daniel great favor for honoring him and honoring the authority that he put him under, even though the authority was ungodly, uh, he honored them, and God honored him with giving, making him ten times smarter and giving him great revelation of understanding of mysteries. So the principle of this chapter is anger brings dominance, harshness, and overcorrects. And this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of basically the world at that time, and he didn't have an authority over him. He thought he was a god, so nobody really corrected him. So power without um, righteousness brings harshness, and it overcorrects. So as a parent, I don't want, or as a, a boss, as an employer, I don't ever want to bring dominance, harshness, or overcorrect my employees or my children. As I do that, they're they're going to be provoked, and, and they may not um, learn well. They may not. They may cause me lots of trouble. <laughs> so there is a, a vocabulary word here called prostate. And as we read the verse that has this word in it, it means to stretch yourself out on your face in the ground, on the ground in submission. And we'll see how King Nebuchadnezzar did does this. Um, the character skill is obedience versus willfulness. True obedience is based on love. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. John 14, 15 through 17. True obedience leads to truth and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So if you want the comfort of the Holy Spirit, if you want this gentleness and this peace in your heart and this burning of the precious Spirit of God, then we're going we're gonna to have this as we grow in our love for him. So God reveals himself to those who love and obey him is another principle. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him too and show myself to him in John 14, 21. So who is King Nebuchadnezzar's counselor in Daniel 2, 1? In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep, so he has counselors of magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. He doesn't know how to go to God. He's he's not um, he's not a Christian. He didn't know the one true God. So we're going to see as we go through Daniel that he did become um, humble and that he did learn who the one true God was. He's actually the only pagan king to ever write uh, in the Bible. <laughs> so that's really cool how God used him. What was the 
impossible thing that the king asked his advisors to do in Daniel 2, 3 through 5. And so remember when we have authority that is um, dominant without uh, correction and ability to correct themselves, we're going to have unrealistic expectations. So here he is. He says, I have had a dream that troubles me. And I want you to tell me what it means. So the astrologer said to the king, Oh, may the king live forever. Tell us, tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Well, the king replied to the astrologers, Well, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will cut you to pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. <laughs> So he's telling them to not only interpret the dream, but to tell them what it was, because he forgot. So he can't even remember his dream, but he's expecting others to know what it is. And then he's giving them a, a harsh, harsh consequence for something that's unreasonable. So as authority, if God sets me up to be in authority over someone, I don't ever want to stumble and do this. I don't ever want to be a harsh authority with unreasonable expectations. I don't want to expect a two-year-old to have the skills of a seven-year-old. I don't want to expect a seven-year-old to be babysitting a two-year-old. I want them to be allowed to be children. So what punishment for failure and what reward for success was Nebuchadnezzar offering his advisors for telling him his dream and interpreting it in Daniel 2, 5, and 6? So the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. Tell me the dream. I cut you into pieces. But if but if you do tell me, you will receive great gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. <laughs> so there's great consequences if they fail. Uh, but if they do succeed, then they will receive great gifts, rewards, and great honor. But how are they going to know unless he tells them what it is? So number four. In his fury, what did the king order to be done in Daniel 2, 12 through 13? So this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon, which means he's going to kill them all. And Daniel and his three friends are, are some of these wise men. So the decree was issued and to, to put the wise men to death, and the men sent to look for Daniel and his free, three friends to put them to death. So Daniel's like, hmm... What can we do here? So what two things did Daniel do when the commander of the king's guard came to kill them, kill him and his friends in Daniel 2, 14 through 16? So when Arioch, that's a cool name, Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke with him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream. So Daniel didn't get stressed, anxious, fearful, you know, unreasonable, and just allow himself to be killed, but he responded with wisdom and tact. He actually uh, Daniel learned the situation. He practiced a calm, respectful appeal. And what was that respectful appeal? Well, let's read about it in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And then he explained it to Daniel. And at this, Daniel went into the king, and he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream. The dream. 
So Daniel gathered information, and then he made that respectful appeal. So he asked the king for more time to interpret the dream. Now at this point, he had to de- he had to depend upon God to move the heart of that king, whichever way it was supposed to go. But Daniel had the faith and the trust in God that God would do that. So in Daniel two seventeen and 18, who did Daniel turn to? Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed within the rest with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So he explained this matter, and they pleaded to God for mercy to reveal this mystery. So what did they do? Well, they exercised the skill of prayer, respectful appeal, and a petition to God. So who did Daniel give glory to for his wisdom in Daniel 2, 23, and then 27 and 28? I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. And Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as were you were lying in bed are these. And he describes his dream to him. So he thanked God the God of his fathers, you, and he says, Lord, you've given me this wisdom, this power. You've, you've helped me to be able to understand this dream. And he says, Daniel says to the king, he says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain the king's mystery. But there is a God in heaven that can do so. <laughs> so he had exercised this great skill of gratefulness. So let's read about what this dream was. And you might have the kids, if you've got kids there, draw this out. Daniel says, Your Majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze and the silver and the gold were broken into pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became the huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. And now I will give the interpretation. Your Majesty, you are the King of Kings. The God of Heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. And after your kingdom, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. And finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as the iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and the toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of the iron in it. 
even as you saw the iron mixed with the clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. As just And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. So in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the kingdom what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Hmm. So here's what happened at the end of the chapter. King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel, and he paid him honor, and he ordered that an offering of incense be presented to him. And the king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods, and the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. And then the king placed Daniel in a high position, and he lavished many gifts on him, and he made him ruler over the entire providence of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. <laughs> Look at that. The king bowed before Daniel. He was going to kill him the day before. And now he's honoring him. He's honoring Daniel. He's honoring Daniel's God as the one true God. And he gave Daniel a high position and lots of gifts. So as Daniel honored God, this king that didn't know God honored him. So as we honor our authorities, even if they are contentious, uh, angry, <laughs> overcorrecting, if we just honor them, and as long as they don't ask us to do anything immoral, illegal, or unethical, if we just honor them, then the time will come that they'll learn to trust us. And we're going to have to trust God with that outcome. So I want you to find in chapter 2 some reasons that Daniel praised God. So in verses, we're going to find these in verses 20 through 23. Number one, he's, Daniel says, wisdom belongs to God. Number two, power belongs to God. Number three, God changes the time and the seasons. Number four, God sets up kingdoms. God sets up kings. <laughs> so number five, God gives wisdom to the wise. Number six, God gives knowledge to those with understanding. Number seven, God reveals deep secret things, and He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. Number eight, we can thank God and praise Him because He gives us wisdom and might and makes known to us what we desire to know and reveals to us things that our leaders need to know. So as Daniel honored God, then God honored Daniel, and Daniel was able to elevate and um, support his king. So why do you think King Nebuchadnezzar was so unreasonable? Well, I think in general, power without accountability brings arrogance and pride and I believe that pride will always make us unreasonable. So why do you think Daniel was so calm when his life was in danger? What do you think? <laughs> I think Daniel was so calm because he, he knew that God was in his corner. He knew that he had a clear conscience. He knew that he hadn't defiled himself. He knew that God was his protector, and he knew he could trust God no matter what the outcome might be.
So number three, do you think that Nebuchadnezzar got prideful when he realized that he was the head of gold in the dream? And we'll see in the next few lessons that he did. So let's look at uh, this challenge here to do a self-evaluation on honoring our authority. So number one, we're going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, do you honor your authority? And you'll know this by whether or not you challenge them. Do we challenge our authority with uh, emotions, with anger, with bitterness, with frustration? Uh, do we obey, but we do it disgruntled? Do we complain when we're asked to do a job that we don't want to do? Do we make excuses? So after maybe one parent or one authority tells us to do something, do we go to the other one and try to undermine it? Is, is the family united is your workplace united? Is there one person that is allowed to divide and conquer and gossip and backstab with anger or tears or strong emotions? Are you slow to follow instructions? Or can you get your instructions and do them without somebody standing over you? Do you pretend that you didn't understand or that you didn't hear the instructions? <laughs> We've done these lessons in a Rebellion that talks about the different levels of rebellion. And it's, I'm slow to follow instructions or slow to hear, I pretend I don't hear. That's part of a rebellion. So do I nag after one has told me no and I keep nagging and nagging till I get them to change their mind? So do I do everything to my best ability as unto the Lord and not unto man? So when I'm being betrayed, when I'm being tried to be provoked or talked about or misunderstood, am I always doing my best work as unto the Lord and not unto man? So as I um, line up those um, boxes, <laughs> if that's what my job is today, is to stack boxes, and I stack them beautifully, perfectly, with corners straight, <laughs> it's going to be noticed. God's going to notice, whether anybody else does or not. It's going to notice that I did it with a happy heart, that I did it as unto the Lord, that I did it to my best ability to honor Him and to honor my authority. So number one, you do you want your children to develop values and opinions? Yes, we do. We do not want them to be robots that can't think and just do whatever they're told. But they're not going to think with the principles of God's Word if we don't teach them these principles through the stories of God's Word. So when we go to Peter in Acts 5.28, he says, oh, we ought to obey God rather than man. And in that story, he's being asked not to speak, not to preach about Jesus. And Peter says, you know, I'll obey you with all kinds of things, but I'm not going to do anything wrong. I'm not going to do anything that I feel goes against my conscience. So you want to help your children develop a strong conscience. You want to develop a conscience to where you don't do things that are a compromise. Because it says in the Bible that if I... Uh, compromise, then I'm going to shipwreck my life. And here's a little saying my friend gave me. She said, what I compromise to keep, I will lose. She said the Lord spoke that to her one day. And I have found that to be true in my life. If I compromise and think that I'm appeasing somebody else and got to get away with something, it never happens. I always lose. <laughs> so I want you to teach your children when they are to disobey. They are to disobey if somebody asks them to lie, cheat, steal, or do something wrong or harmful, uh, to, to be destructive. They are to obey God and trust Him with the outcome, no matter what. So next week, 
we're going to look at the lesson on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and we're going to see how they disobeyed their authority and how God honored them with protection. The lesson after that is um, the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar, where Nebuchadnezzar has another dream, and God gives him a warning, and he doesn't heed this warning. And his pride drives him to the field to be like a wild animal for many years. And then the next lesson will be the handwriting on the wall. At this point, there's another king, and the kingdoms are starting to be um, moved down from the head of gold to the silver to the bronze. And we're going to see how the next kingdom is set up. And we're going to talk about disrespect and honor. We're going to talk about pride and humility and self-evaluations in these things. And then the last lesson, which is my favorite, is the Daniel lesson. We're going to evaluate our heart evaluations, whether or not we have an excellent spirit, an understanding spirit. We're going to see how Daniel had faith uh, and didn't compromise to stop praying to God, didn't say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to um, only believe if it's convenient. Instead, he knew what he believed. So as I have those disciplines that we talked about. And as I sit with the Lord day in and day out, then I know what I believe, what I don't believe, what who I trust in. Um, it's like God reveals to me things, and He gives me strength for the day. So then when there's things that are happening that are uh, m- maybe meant to trip me up, a trial, a tribulation, a persecution, affliction, um, I know that the joy of the Lord's my strength. And I know that I'm to rejoice in it because it's perfecting me in the image of Christ. And He's going to make me strong as I stand strong for the Word of God. And this was Angie Meadows, and this was Lesson 2 of the Daniel Study. And it's on AmazonBooks.com. And you can listen to this again on the Rock and Recovery Podcast.